Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 105. Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith. I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master main guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college-accredited and GI Bill-approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, coming to you live recording this but you'll hear it as a recording from the communications level of our semi-subterranean northern main layer and headquarters uh currently we've got a bunch of laborers outside <laughs> digging our moat the alligators are on their way here apparently they're on a truck uh and we're gonna be legit here pretty soon oh i thought you had a float plane like when they stocked those trout we're just gonna get a bunch of alligators imagine alligators flying what was that movie the documentary that i saw sharknado did you see that no yeah there's all these sharks flying around in the sky it was pretty it was pretty scary like i'm never going to, i can't remember where they filmed it but i'm never going there weird meteorological things i was gonna tell you i'm gonna drive up from augusta yesterday i saw a semi-truck in the ditch. Nice. Full of alligators? Whole cargo of alligators running wild. Oh, uh, no. They, they might have been the ones that were coming here. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, a lot of people get alligators shipped up to northern Maine. It, it, you know, it's probably a it's coincidence. Common. We would like to welcome, Christopher and I would like to welcome uh, the director of the Jack Mountain Fly Fishing School, uh, Paul Sveum. Paul Sveum, master Maine guide. Master yeah. Maine guide. And that Woo. is no small feat. And I have size 12 feet. No, yeah. I mean, 11 and a half. Those are not small 12, feet either. 12 and a half some days. Um, Depends on the boot. But yeah, so they, the thing with everybody's like an expert these days, and I love the way that Maine does the guide license, because you can go get a guide license, but to become a master Maine guide, you have to have 10 years of documented experience, right? You can't just like jump in and be like, oh, I'm a master Maine guide after taking like a weekend guide prep class you got to put in your hours and your years and i love that so it is quite an accomplishment and congratulations let me say for the i don't know first time second time it's the first time first time and i know this is for the podcast but you know i i appreciate it either way you cue up that song by foreigner it feels like the first time uh i'll I'll try and find that real quick (laughs) have i been relegated to the sound guy so suddenly (laughs) Uh, no, thank you. It's a cool thing. You know, I remember I, uh, I went into the IFW office to get my complimentary sticker and patch and, uh, one of the old timers walking behind the counter saw I was getting my master license and he looked at me and said, congratulations. You know, I felt pretty good about that. Yeah. You're not, uh, you're not a, you're definitely not a rookie anymore when you're, when you have the, the master tab on your. It literally license. says it on the badge that you're not a rookie anymore. Huh? Essentially you're saying I'm old and that's okay. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm just saying, like, a little bit of that coloring in the beard wouldn't might not be a bad thing. <laughs> the gray? <laughs> yeah, cover that up. you got to keep up appearances. I try to cover all of this up as much as I can. I love the whole That's thing. That's why with, this is audio. Yeah, the whole thing with masks has been great for me and my self-esteem. <laughs> 
Uh, Paul Steam was years ago, 150 years ago. Oh, come on. It was 124. Uh, came out and did a semester course with us a long time ago, early years of the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School. Came back as an instructor for a number of years. And uh, yeah, now is the, what's your title, director? I'm a youth program and camp director uh, for the Kennebec Valley YMCA down in Augusta. Nice. So, director. I'm a director. So, you have one of those director's chairs and, like, the mega, the megaphone, like all the directors you see in the golden era of Hollywood? I do. Yeah, the big the big megaphone with a swirly chair yeah. and a beret. Right. Ascot. Ascot. You gotta have the ascot to go with it. Is that what the beret is called in director circles? No, what? an ascot is a thing that goes, it's a neckerchief. It's oh. a neckerchief. And what's the, the cookie butter? Biscoff. That, they're two different things? I, I mean, I've seen you slather Biscoff on your neck, so maybe not. <laughs> we're, we're, it's Sunday morning. I'm glad you said it, Chris. I, I wasn't sure if I was ready to say that yet. We're a little punchy, me especially, uh, having, a, having, just still on our first thermos of coffee, yeah. so yeah. it's, it's an eight-cylinder engine, and we're only one of them firing right now. Barely. That's, that's welcome to Tim's yeah. brain. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk today about, uh, fishing, spring fishing, fly fishing in northern Maine, uh, Tactics, tackle, techniques. Any other T words we could tack on there? Tim. Trout. Tyrannosaurus. Tr- uh, Transformers. Tyrannosaurus. Uh, Trans Am. Thermonuclear physics. Oh, uh, that's a T, wow. but it's like a that's a different phonetic sound. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. That's the silly word. You ruined Don't, it. Aww. It's over. I'm sorry. I just wanted to play with all the other kids. <laughs> uh yeah. And good trivia about Paul. Uh, Paul does not oh know where the state of Rhode Island is. <laughs> I, I, I admit to that. Mostly that's just because I refuse to know everything about uh, New England, even though I live here now. Uh, I, 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 if I live the rest of my life and I don't know where Rhode Island is at my dying day, I'm not going to be sad. Well, you should tell everybody where you're from, where Paul hails from. Everything to me is a mitten. Uh, if you hand if you hold your left hand out, it's Wisconsin, and your right hand is Michigan. Uh, so I grew up in Wisconsin, and I, there's no there's no mitten for Rhode Island, and so I don't it doesn't process in my brain that's a state. Okay, it's still part of England, as far as I'm concerned. So if it doesn't look like a mitten, it's not a state. <laughs> I think Maine is a mitten. You know, you could do that, my Maine mitten. Okay. What about Montana? That's just a big square mitten. <laughs> yeah, you, uh, you laugh, but look I, at no, it. I get it. I it's get a, it. It's a big square mitten. My, when my children were little, one of them had a book called The Mitten, and somebody like dropped a mitten, and then all these animals started living in it. Is that what it was like growing up in in Wisconsin? <laughs> a bunch of animals living in a mitten with a bunch of animals. Yeah, it kind of feels like right now. <laughs> I kind of feel like we're in a big mitten and it's cozy and warm and full of coffee, but it, but it smells terrible. <laughs> I said I was going to clean up after this podcast. You don't need to rub it in. That's why we do audio. <clears throat> So we were out yesterday doing some scouting. Uh, we published a vlog, or I did late last night. Um, I don't remember what number, 105 or something, but driving woods roads, looking at remote fisheries, um, because Paul coming up has a class, uh, Learn to Fish, Not a Guided Trip, class uh, May 27th to May 30th. And for everybody running to wanting to sign up right now, you can't because it's full, um, but you know maybe we'll do another one maybe an advanced class in the fall um but yeah we were just out looking at some new water seeing uh i was out diligently testing the temperature of the water because the trout the brook trout that we have here in northern maine are very temperature driven and we had a temperature yesterday i believe it's like 53 degrees fahrenheit so uh and in the video you'll see the fish that paul caught so um 
At least one of them was biting. I like how it was fish uh, singular. Yeah. But, uh... Well, you know, there's, if not fish is, it would just be fish. Fish. Fish eye. Yeah. Fishy. Yeah. No, it was one. It was, it was a good day, you know, so, like, you know, like Tim was saying, the water, you know, right now is still pretty cold up here. You know, brook trout being uh, kind of a northern uh, continent fish, they like cold water compared to, you know, browns and rainbows that are a little more heat tolerant. Uh, you know, brookies like that. Uh, you know, 45 to 50, 55, 60 degree water. Uh, if it's any colder than 45, 50 degrees, they're not really actively feeding. And then once it gets above that, you know, 65 degree temperature, they, they think life sucks and they start to kind of cash out. So uh, I think, you know, right now we're in that early, kind of the early stages of spring fishing up here and up in the county. And uh, the water yesterday was uh, starting to warm up, but it was still on the, a little bit on the cold side. So the fish were... Uh, you know, they, maybe they were chasing around little bait fish, but they weren't, they weren't quite warm enough, um, to start looking up and chasing bugs around. But, um, you know, it was about 70 degrees yesterday. So that water is going to start warming up pretty quick. And I imagine the next week or two, the fishery is really going to start turning on up here. Yeah. It was the first kind of warm day, right? I mean, mm. we've, we've had most of the nights have still been below freezing mid-May. But, yeah, warming up, and, and we noticed just throughout the day yesterday in the morning, just about no bugs out, and then when the sun comes out, well, except for black flies, yeah. but then remember in the afternoon, all the hatches everything was happening. just starts, you know, it happens quickly when it does, and uh, there's no big lead-in. One day the fishing's no good, the next day it's like one degree warmer, and bam, everything is just going nuts and hitting, hitting stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there was definitely, you know, kind of midges all day, which is definitely an early early season bug not to get too techy about it uh there are some caddis some stonefly and definitely some mayflies flying around so it was kind of the whole mixed bag of hatches and uh you know give those fish a few more days to get their metabolism revved up and, and i think the fishing is going to get get pretty solid in the next week or so yeah and i'm excited because i'll be out on the allagash by late next week so control streamers on the lakes and uh you know fish flies in the on the river so kind of excited and streamers on the river too um yeah so let's talk uh <laughs> let's talk tackle what in your in your estimation uh i know there's sort of two big schools of thought with with fly fishing either you have a sort of a tractor pattern or you have you're mimicking like an actual bug on the that lives there right like so when and because you, you tie a lot of flies so when you're tying you know that you either kind of try to make something that colors and flashy that'll attract fish or you're trying to mimic an exact insect on the landscape which which one do you lean towards and i know the the obvious answer is both but yeah when you started that sentence you said you have a tractor and in seeing my head i was just picturing like riding the tractor down to the river and scooping the fish out and like a, with a mesh front loader <laughs> It took a little while for my brain to catch on to this this train of thought. Again, but... going back to kids' Wait, books. there's and... a train involved now? I thought we were talking about a tractor. How do they get the tractor to you? On a train. On a train. Right. right. Oh. My Good. children had a book called That's Not My Tractor, and it was about a mouse trying to, he tr- would jump on all these tractors. And, you know, he's like, that's not my tractor, that's not my tractor. And I went tractor shopping last year. I went to the Kubota place in Presque Isle, and I was just curious how much they cost. And like, how did that mouse afford one of these tractors? Well, like, he was living in a commune in a mitten with a bunch of other animals, and they oh, all shipped they pooled in. Oh, pulled their money. Yeah, I get it. And why were there so many tractors just sitting around? I don't know. I think he was. I, I really don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of mystery in that book. I'm, I have a lot of questions. And if but... you're curious, we'll try to put a link in the show notes to the book. That's not my tractor. <laughs> Click the link below. 
<laughs> we're on an Amazon this affiliate. Episode brought to you by. That's not my tractor. <laughs> the children's book. The children's book. The year book. 2000. I'm telling you, I think you know, you could probably pitch fly fishing. Is just if you just read that children's book enough times, like you'll start to get the magic of fishing. That's all you need to know right there. That's um, like Mr. Miyagi teaching right it there. It is. It is totally. Um, Help the mouse find his tractor and you know paint the fence and whatever. I'm I'm down. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. That it, it, that's a good question. Yeah, you know, and, and that's a question that you know once you get into fishing, you're going to be thinking about every day on on the water. You know, am I going to be fishing a pattern that's going to be you know imitating what those fish are looking for, or am I just going to be throwing something that uh, you know has kind of stood the test of time, caught fish for the last fifty years, and you know maybe doesn't look exactly like what the fish are eating, but for whatever reason, it just trips the trigger in that and that brain the size of a pencil eraser in that fish and and uh you know tells that fish that that's that's something he wants to eat uh you know this time of year um before the fish really you know tune into a hatch uh you know you can throw a lot of attractor patterns yesterday it was just kind of generic bait fish patterns uh you know white is always a great color for brook trout uh you know this time of year they're eating smelt and they're eating other little uh you know white bait fish that are swimming around and so any kind of white you know, tractor streamers are really good choice this time of year. Um, uh, you know, but that choice really comes down to the water you're fishing. Uh, you know, fish that, that don't see a lot of fishermen and that maybe live in a little bit faster water, um, they're typically not as picky. Um, the faster water means the fish don't have time to, you know, really inspect all the food they're eating. So they're going to be really grabby. You know, fish don't have hands. There was that one uh, down in Gary, Indiana, had like three hands. That was terrifying. <laughs> But uh, they grab with their mouth. They feel with their mouth. So, you know, there's going to be fish, uh, you know, sitting in that fast water all day long, you know, food floating by their face, and they're going to reach out and grab it. And if it seems right, they'll eat it. If they don't, they're going to spit it out. Uh, so that's where those attractor patterns, and you know, like the Royal Wolf or an Adams or an Elk Hair Caddis for dries or, you know, your uh, Hare's Ear or all those nymphs that are just kind of your general attractors. Um, you know, that's a really good choice because those fish, uh, you know, they don't have time to be picky. And if they haven't seen a lot of flies in their life, um, you know, people like to say fish get educated, which I don't think that's very accurate, but fish do get selective, um, as far as what they decide to eat over the course of their, over the course of their summer. Um, so spring fishing is nice because the fish are, you know, they've been overwintering and they maybe have forgotten all the times they had a piece of steel impaled in their face last summer. And so this year, they maybe they have forgotten all those things that they shouldn't eat, and maybe they're a little more willing to eat big, bushy, attractor dry flies and, and nymphs like that. So, um, you know, up here in the county, I don't think, uh, you know, being spot on with your uh, bug selection is, is as important as some other places. Yeah, we don't get anywhere near the fishing pressure as some of the, you know, fancier, more well-known right. rivers down south. Like, you know, the the classic trout rivers, the Batten Kill and the, you know, the Farmington River in Connecticut, there's just... There's lots of fishermen there for a given amount of water, and we have lots of water for the number of fishermen we have. Right. Uh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. But I have also have to bring up and get your opinion on the the guy with the fly shop just south of Patton, mm. who is well known for saying, you know, there's only one fly that you need up here, the maple syrup. Maple syrup, you know, so I, I've fished all over, uh, you know, a lot out west, and I grew up in Wisconsin fishing, and... Um, you know, uh, you know, fly fishing is beautifully regional. Um, it's, it's, it's all these little niche cultures of, of fishermen and water and fish. And then the, the guys and gals that tie flies and, and everywhere you go, there's those regional flies that, uh, you know, it's, it's that fly that, that they're going to tell you, you gotta have that is going to catch fish everywhere you go. And, uh, you know, when I first came out to Maine, 
I was fishing on the ground on Grand Lake Stream. I'd woke up in the morning. I was sitting on the my tailgate of my truck drinking coffee, and a guy walked by. And he was really nice, and we were chatting. And he's like, "Oh, you have any golden retrievers?" And I'm like, "I have literally never heard of that fly in my life." So he, you know, gave me three, and and that was kind of my introduction to the golden retriever. Uh, it's a great main fly. It 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 doesn't really represent anything, but it kind of covers all your bases, and it catches fish anywhere you go, and. Um, and so the maple syrup kind of falls in that category. Um, Alvin Terrio, uh, his family uh, came up with that fly pattern. It's a wonderful pattern. Um, and I remember the first time I was talking to Alvin about that fly, and he was telling me it, you know, it'll catch stripers, and it'll catch bluegill, and salmon, and trout, bass. It'll catch anything. And so I bought 20 of them. I've never fished any of them, but <laughs> no. I bought 20 of them. That's awesome. Because anytime someone says you got to buy this, you got to fish this fly, you should at least buy a few. And, um, and I don't fish them, not that they don't work. It's just like Tim said, I tie and uh, I don't have as much time to fish as I used to. And so I, I have more flies than I can, I can handle. So I don't usually get to the more uh, obscure patterns, but it's, it's definitely a fly that should be in your box. The maple syrup, plus just the name. Yeah. Man. It's very New England-y. So, it's so many. Um, but it brings up a good point that the same fly fished differently is going to appear different to the fish, right? Like if you just cast out like a dry fly and let it float on the surface, the same thing if you put no, like nothing on it and it gets wet and you're dragging it under the water, then you're fishing it differently and it's, it's appearing differently to the fish. And that's, uh, you know, Alvin's thing with the maple syrup that you fish it along the bottom and it looks like a, you know, a like a helgramite or something right. like that, or you could fish it like a wet fly or, you know what I mean? That you can, the presentation, um, my, my roundabout way of saying that the way that you present the fly to the fish is going to have a huge impact on what they think it is. Yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, presentation is, in my opinion, you know, three quarters of the game. Uh, I was uh, guiding last weekend downstate and uh, the guy I was working with was just throwing a, just a generic, you know, size 14 Adams to a, you know, a red quill hatch and, and I was watching fish kind of rising all around him, and uh, he just wasn't really having any luck. A lot of his cat, you know, the casting needed to get sharpened up a little bit. And uh, I took the same rod, same fly, and on my first cast caught a little brown trout just because my presentation was different. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see that over and over again. Uh, you know, you're fishing, you're fishing, not catching anything, and your first instinct is to change flies. And uh, typically that should probably be the, at least maybe the third step. You know, first step should be, changing the speed of the fly, changing the depth of the fly. Because um, if it's not looking right to the fish, uh, you know, they're not going to go for it. Even if it's the perfect pattern, you know, you could be, uh, you know, fishing that maple syrup. But if it's getting drugged downstream at Mach 8, you know, those fish aren't going to aren't gonna give you a second look. So Mach 7, that would be better? 7.5. Yeah. I mean, just 8. It gets technical, right? At, at 8, you start thermodynamics and the laws of physics start getting broken down and right i told you my t word would come in handy <laughs> I, I was i was trying to validate the i appreciate that I was you know and so yeah you know presentation is the name of the game uh that, that's what you really got to focus on and that's uh if i could transition to the class we're running in a couple weeks uh it's a two and a half day learn to fly fish class uh you know our goal is not to be uh you know stacking the numbers or, or pulling trophy fish out although uh you know, that's always a possibility when you're fishing. You never know when you're going to catch that fish of a lifetime or have that banner day where you're, you know, up into that 15, 20 fish day kind of day. Um, you know, but really the point of this class is to uh, kind of twofold, first fold, um, is just to get the fundamentals of fishing down. Uh, you know, I, I would say that spin casting is 
like playing basketball and fly casting and fly fishing is like playing hockey where, uh, you know, anyone can run and anyone can throw a ball. And, uh, and so you can instantly get into spin casting pretty easy. Uh, but you know, if you're gonna play hockey, you gotta learn how to skate. Otherwise you're never going to play the game. And so, you know, fly fishing, if you can't cast and you can't get that terminal tackle to, you know, out to that fish in a, in a pretty representative way, then you're just not going to have a whole lot of luck. And so this class is, you know, really focused on getting the basic mechanics of fly fishing down. And then the second part of the course, um, uh, you know, when you get into any activity, uh, it gets pretty complex the longer you get into it. And fly fishing is no different. You know, you go into a fly shop and, and you're going to get overwhelmed by selection and choices. And, you know, you go online and you Google search fly fishing technique and you're going to get 3.4 million videos coming up. And most of those pretty much suck. But um, And so this class is also designed to kind of, you know, cut to the core of what, what you need to know and, and what's not that important. Um, just to try to simplify what's what, an activity that most people make pretty pretty darn confusing. Yeah, I have a saying that I read it somewhere and I can't remember where anymore, but the modern idea of rifle hunters and tackle fishermen that, you know, the worst place to go learn something about hunting is to go to the gun shop because they can always sell you more stuff. Right. That probably the best place is to learn something about the animal that you're hunting and for fishing, I think uh, there's a great old book, and he might have been from Wisconsin. Have you ever read How to Fish from Top to the Bottom? It's like by a limnologist in like the 1950s, lake scientist. I don't know if I have that one on my shelf. But... It's a pretty good book. But anyway, he say, he starts off with like, first you learn something about water and like water ecology, and then you learn about the fish that you're going after, and then lastly, you learn about the tackle. Right. But... Uh, you know, I've been up north with the Cree and, you know, we could, we fish by setting a giant net under the ice or, you know, I've speared fish with a spear, fish spear you make yourself. Yeah. And so there's, once you understand what's driving the fish, once you understand their habits and habitat and when, where they're going to be, when and why based on water temperature and spawning, then, then when you add in the tackle component, it's like, it's like completing the circle, right? It's like the circle of life. It's like the Lion King. Does that make you Rafiki? I don't. I'm not sure. I, I want to be the, the the one of the ones that sings the bare necessities, though. In that, I think yeah, you know, I and that that's possible. You know, I think and fishing aside, you put your mind to that. I think you know, if you, you can dream it, you, you can lot, do it. You got a lot of life in you, Tim, and I, I think that that's 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 out there. Uh, but but again, on a serious note, going back to that, that like the uh, most modern. People are advised to start with the tackle and without a, like a base understanding of what's going on ecology-wise with that fish and its environment, then the tackle, there's no framework to put knowledge about tackle into, right? Like, right. why would you choose this fly? Like, why would you, it's, it's the water temperature is 53 degrees. Why would you choose a streamer over, say, like a dry fly? Well, it's sort of the, the same stuff with the maple syrup that we were talking about, where, you know, whoever probably tied that fly the first time understood something about what they were trying to achieve by tying it. But they're sure. trying to imitate all that stuff. Yeah. But then it just becomes a generalized thing. And, well, this is the only one you need. And you don't really have to understand why it's the only one you need. Right. It's just the only one you need. And then somebody buys 20 of them. And then they never get used. Yeah. Uh, but no, <laughs> but I, it's just, yeah. And that's, and that's fine. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't bemoan people. Like, I drive yeah, a car right. and I, I, like, I kind of understand how an internal combustion engine works. But, like, I don't really need to care to learn how, like, an alternator makes electricity or, you know, piston compression. I don't, I don't, I don't have that capacity in my brain to really care about that. And that's fine. You know, obviously I drive a car and I get down the road without really knowing that process. But then again, if the car breaks down, I'm kind of SOL, I can't fix that. And so, 
Uh, you know, fly fishing's the same way. You can go into a fly shop and you can tell them, hey, look, I want to go fish, you know, Rapid River this weekend. Sell me what I need to go fish and have fun. And, and they will. And you're going to go have a good time. And they'll put you on fish and they'll give you the stick in your hand and the, and the fly on the other end of your string to go have a pretty good day. And, and you'll have fun. But uh, you, you're missing out. Uh, you know, fly fishing is just like anything in life. It's, it's three-dimensional. And if you're looking at it in that 2D level, you're going to have fun. But, um, you know, and so in this class, we're going to get out in the river. We're going to flip some rocks. And we're going to see what it's looking at, what, uh, you know, what's living in the water and see what those bugs look like. So then when you go to your fly box, you can have the real thing in your hand and be like, well, you know what, what looks similar to this? And you don't need to know the Latin name of that bug. But maybe you say, oh, it's about the size of my pinky. It's olive and it's pretty broad in the body and not streamlined. And you pick a little nymph out that looks about right. And, and then maybe you're at the second step. And then that third step is maybe you know the name of the bugs. And, and then you, you know just that much more. And then the fourth step, uh, you've gone totally over the edge. And you're sitting in the basement in Rustic County drinking coffee, talking about fly fishing. And, and, uh, and, and step five is profit. And then step five <laughs> is, uh, yeah, infomercials. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Straight to infomercials. Yeah, that's great. That's all good stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. So again, um, you can't sign up for that class because it's currently full. Uh, but maybe an advanced class coming in the fall. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's in the works. Uh, springtime up here is a is a really good time of year to be uh, targeting brook trout that are just really actively feeding. Um, and so for beginners, this is a great time of year. The water levels are high and cold, so the brook trout are pretty happy. And like I said, they're hungry after a long uh, Rustic County winter up here. And so the spring class is just learning the basics, getting you out on the water and putting the right gear in your hand. And then fall brook trout, are, uh, they're a fall spawning fish. And so uh, in the fall, the males get, a, they get big and brawny, tall shoulders. They put on some weight, and they get into their spawn mode, and that's when the big Brook trout come out, get really aggressive, and that's the time of year where you want to catch that, you know, two, three, four, or that kind of legendary main five-pound brook trout. Uh, fall is a great time of year for that. So we're working on a, a fall advanced uh, fishing class where we we focus more on the on the pursuit of the of the bigger fish. Nice. Um, great. Yeah, that all sounds good. Um, so one last thing, I just would like for you, if you can briefly comment on your time on television, on the TV show Main Cabbage, Cabin Masters Season 6. I thought Main Cabbage Masters. Main like... Cabbage Masters. It's like a big documentary about making sauerkraut. Oh, I thought, <laughs> it, was, I thought Hancock it was going to County. Cabbage Kids. Cabbage Patch Kids was where I was going. Oh. But yours is better. I thought that was just like the Dr. Dre slang for weed. I don't know. The Main Cabbage Masters. Could be. Yeah. Dr. Dre, I read, though, not a licensed medical doctor. Who knew? Everyone. Everyone knew. Well, I mean, everyone. can you really use that as, like, a professional title? Uh, It's artistic. It's artistic. I'm like, where did he go to medical school? Where did he do his residency? Turns out he didn't. No. No. And you wonder where your spleen went. (laughs) Well, I woke up and it was missing. (laughs) Yeah, that's because the other person told you they were a doctor and didn't have to back it up. The gypsy? Mm -hmm. From the truck stop? Dr. Spleeny? Wasn't a doctor? (laughs) Dr. Spleeny. Yeah, we've determined. I heard on the radio a while back that spleeny is an adjective word used in Maine and New Brunswick. And yeah. what does it mean? You just looked it up. I just looked it up, but it was like 20 minutes ago. So I don't remember it. Peevish. Yeah, peevish. it was like peevish and like complainy, basically. Yeah. So any high school students listening to this, your next essay that you have to write, use the word spleeny. 
uh, <laughs> instead of peevish. And that's S-P-L-E-E-N-Y. I like that it's instead of peevish, another word that they probably wouldn't, like that most people probably wouldn't yeah. use. Or any Scrabble enthusiasts. Oh, there you go. That's there's a good your, one. There's your million uh, there's But your would, million that, would that count in Scrabble, though, if it's not like... I don't know. I don't know. Is it a regional thing? Yeah, if it's a regional thing, I don't know if it would count. Really? I like that I like that we're getting into the nuts and bolts of this. Although peevish would be a better Scrabble word. <laughs> yeah, it would. It would. Spleeny is a pretty low number. Spleeny so, just rolls off the tongue better though. It does. Cabin Masters. Cabin Masters. Tell me about this. Yeah, so uh yep, yep. They uh the the guys down in uh down in Augusta, the main cabin masters, uh, built a built an arts and crafts cabin for the YMCA camp that I'm the, the director of in the summer. And it was a uh, it was a pretty awesome a uh, bit of generosity for those guys to come out and and build that cabin for us and finally after about 15 years of trying to get on survival and bushcraft reality tv shows <laughs> that was that was my you know take me back 10 years when i was in that junkyard in jersey with that ridiculous bushcraft show i was trying out for if you would have told me 10 years from now that the the five the first time that this beautiful face was gonna make it on tv was uh, in that forum i probably would have thought you're pretty crazy but uh I generally think that that both you guys are pretty crazy in general. So yeah, that's why um, we're here. Yeah, so not uh, anywhere else. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel very comfortable uh, right between right between you right between you crazy fellows. Yeah, there's a lot of love in the room. Yeah, uh, is it all love? emanating from Tim's spleen? It's very spleeny love. Yeah, it's not peevish love though. No, mm, sometimes it sounds like a meatloaf song. Peevish love. Yeah. It actually does. That's 100%. <laughs> I'm going right to the Google after this to see if anybody's written that. And if not, I'm going to get up with my songwriting hat. Um, I mean that one. That yeah. You tried to give me this morning. It's the same dirty old orange toot that is so stretched out it no longer has any elastic left. But, yeah. It's a metaphor for life. Pretty much. Keeps you warm. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. I am that orange toot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Well... I guess. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, and I'm sorry for yeah. spending this time with us. A well-caffeinated Sunday morning. Um, look on the website for information on Paul and the upcoming fly fishing class, and we will post stuff about the advanced class when it's available. Yeah, and we'll be shooting a ton of video and photographs while Paul's up here teaching, so if you guys are curious about that, we'll have a bunch of information via that avenue yeah and the beauty of that is even if you don't come to the class you can pick up some tricks and tips yeah. about uh tackle tactics and techniques for trout wow it's not that sounds pretty good right that sounds that great pretty, i sound totally legit you when do I say sound that. totally legit i'm gonna do it again uh-huh so can you do it in like a high squeaky voice this time though no okay uh so again even if you don't come to the class you can pick up some tackle tactics and techniques for trout from paul Totally tubular techniques. Ooh, you just you just always one up in me. I tried. Yeah, I mean, we gotta stop on your game. <laughs> Is that it? We got it. Thank you very much for listening, and have a great day. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved. Visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.